Hey, I'm Christopher Schiefling, and this is Auscultation, a podcast in search of a humanities-based practice of healthcare. Thanks so much for joining. Today, we're listening to an excerpt from Bird by Bird by Anne Lamott, an author of humorous novels and nonfiction who is most famous for her work as a writing instructor. Bird by Bird is a manual for how to write, and this excerpt comes from a chapter about how to continue practicing writing even in the face of the rattle of self-doubt and the allure of one's imagined brilliance and future success. Her advice, as much as she wishes it were different, is to close your eyes, breathe, begin again. In this passage, she uses our experience with the common cold to illustrate the patience and persistence that writing requires. Excerpt from Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont. Two nights ago, I showed up to teach my class with a raw chest and a raging sore throat, that kind that feels like cancer of the trachea. I happened to have two doctors in this class, and one of them tried to assure me that it probably wasn't tracheal cancer, that in fact the viral cloud of mid-autumn had descended, and many people were having similar symptoms. The other doctor recommended drinking really, really hot water. Hot water, I said. Hot water? I should be home, hooked up to an epidural, drinking coating cough syrup, and you're prescribing hot water? Then I threatened to lower his grade. Of course, this is not a graded workshop, so my students tend to roll their eyes when I threaten them. At the break, that doctor brought me a cup of boiling water, a Zofra tea, but without the tea bag. And I drank it. My throat and chest stopped aching about 20 seconds later. I hate that. Some thoughts on the patient-clinician relationship. In this delightful passage, Lamott uses the microscope of humor to magnify the drama of the common cold. Whether it is factual or just a literary device, the presence of the two doctors creates a dynamic perspective on the ways to respond to illness. The first physician focuses on the diagnosis and gives reassurance. We see, however, that this falls flat, as one of them tried to assure me, and we hear it probably wasn't cancer. When I have told someone they probably don't have cancer, it has only stoked the flames of their anxiety. The second physician offers a treatment. However, this treatment is viewed as an insult because it underestimates her illness. Her symptoms require drinking coating, not drinking hot water. And the repetition of drinking highlights this discrepancy. Hot water, far from a prescription, isn't even an herbal remedy, which Lamott points out with the line, as though for tea, but without a tea bag. Despite her protests, this doctor is persistent, bringing in the boiling water. And just as the commercials promise, about 20 seconds later, she feels better. In this case, it is not the refined knowledge, but the simple gift that provides comfort. Of course, many times the words of comfort are the best medicine. And knowing when to reassure, when to assuage with home remedies, and when to bring the full force of the pharmamentarium 
is often more about knowing the patient than knowing the medicine. Both doctors' approaches are met with skepticism, which is common in today's healthcare environment. Over the course of the 20th century and into the 21st century, there has been an increasing emphasis on patient autonomy and shared decision-making. This is one of the many doors that have opened up clinicians' expertise to questions. From vaccine hesitancy to frequent requests for antibiotics for non-bacterial illnesses, much of the advice I give throughout a day in clinic meets with resistance. At times, I'm encouraged with my patient's agency, and we develop a plan that is much better than what I had originally proposed. Other times, though, we're left at a standstill with our wheels spinning in exacerbation. In this case, the second doctor successfully navigates the initial doubt. He does this not through an insistence on medical authority and a detailed rationale, but with persistence and an act of generosity. Even with this amplification of the patient perspective, there is still a power differential between patients and practitioners, and Lamont subtly conveys the dynamics of this relationship. She, like many patients, seems to try to level the playing field by using medical jargon, trachea, epidural, and codeine. Wielding this language is a claim to knowledge about biology and medicine. She then demonstrates her own authority as the instructor, however jokingly, by threatening to lower his grade. All of these attempts to raise her status as a patient point to the degree of vulnerability that she feels. Some thoughts on pharmaceuticals. The -the over-the-counter medicine aisle at the grocery or drugstore has a dizzying array of treatments for upper respiratory symptoms. A lot have no clear benefit, and worse, many have clear risks for adverse effects, which is especially true for older adults who are more sensitive to the impairments in cognition and balance for medicines containing diphenhydramine and dextropomorphin, which are commonly included in cold medicines. Despite this, in the U.S., these medicines gross over $10 billion annually, and this is projected to continue to rise. The vast majority of the time, a virus is to blame for cold symptoms, and our bodies, given time, know how to handle them. Those with compromised immune systems or impaired lung function may need additional support, but generally, treatments aren't needed, and they aren't that effective anyways. But that hasn't stopped a cornucopia of direct-to-consumer advertisements for anti-cold medicines that proclaim the severity of such symptoms with catchphrases like, It's never just a cough, and the need for, quote, maximum strength pills. The hyperbole of this passage is a reflection of the dramatization of these commercials, and Lamont argues that she should be hooked up to an epidural drinking coating syrup. In addition to the fabricated need pushed by these ads, another drive for such therapies is the pressure to continue working. Many of the pharmaceutical companies emphasize this fact with lines like, life doesn't stop for a cold. Likewise, Lamott teaches her class in spite of her raging sore throat and her acknowledgement that she should be home. In addition to exposing her students to her virus, instructing the class, rather than resting her voice, likely worsened her sore throat. And it is thought 
that many of the symptoms of the cold from fatigue and chills are attempts to keep people resting and isolated to prevent the further spread. So cold medicines, which may slightly reduce individual symptoms, may actually worsen the public health as a whole. In the end, it is not the epidural or codeine that bring relief, but a non-pharmacologic therapy. But perhaps the better treatment all along would have been to cancel the class and to let her body recover in the way that it knows how. This episode, if you haven't guessed it already, is brought to you by Really Really Hot Water. Take it in a tonic or a hot water bottle or even in a bath. It's perfect for sore throats, sore muscles, and sore souls. Water is life and Really Really Hot Water is relief. Some thoughts on the common cold. Upper respiratory infections are a core human experience, and one of the strengths of this anecdote relies on the universality of this theme. Adults on average have two to four colds a year, and the rate for children reaches six to ten episodes. So we are all familiar with the host of symptoms, from sniffles to congestion to cough to sore throat to headache to fatigue. The phrase, the kind that feels like cancer the trachea, understands that the reader has experienced this kind of cold as well as the other undescribed but implied types of cold. We go on to learn that it is mid-autumn and many people were having similar symptoms. Finally, the concluding thought, I hate that, indicates that this is not the first time of such an event and it is unlikely to be the last. With such a high prevalence, good prognosis, and underwhelming therapeutics in the face of shallow pharmaceutical promises, it is easy for the slew of respiratory visits in January to become a rote and thankless task. Lamont's anecdote, however, can bring a fresh perspective. The description of a raw chest and a raging sore throat with its tumble of R's is an onomatopoeia of the hoarseness from laryngitis and the metaphor of describing the viral cloud of mid-autumn is such a fabulous image, I don't know why anyone would ever refer to it as flu season ever again. This passage also captures the conflicting feelings arising from the symptoms of the common cold. There is the hypochondria with worry of tracheal cancer, which is particularly tense with the knowledge that Lamont's father died of cancer when she was a young adult. Then there is the reassurance of the herd with many people having similar symptoms. The desire to be home hooked up to an epidural is a brilliantly concentrated illustration of these conflicting feelings. The epidural implies severity requiring hospitalization, and she also wants it at home, implying the lowest level of acuity. It also conveys the tension of why she went to work when she was sick and possibly contagious. Finally, she is disappointed that her symptoms are relieved with such a simple treatment because they have proven to be less severe than she imagined. While there is a large degree of irony in this statement, there is a core of truth. We want our suffering to be relieved, and we also want it to be validated. Excerpt. From Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont. 
Two nights ago, I showed up to teach my class with a raw chest and a raging sore throat, the kind that feels like cancer of the trachea. I happened to have two doctors in this class, and one of them tried to assure me that it probably wasn't tracheal cancer, that in fact, the viral cloud of mid-autumn had descended, and many people were having similar symptoms. The other doctor recommended drinking really, really hot water. Hot water, I said. Hot water? I should be home, hooked up to an epidural, drinking coating cough syrup, and you're prescribing hot water? Then I threatened to lower his grade. Of course, this is not a graded workshop, so my students tend to roll their eyes when I threaten them. At the break, that doctor brought me a cup of boiling water, a Zofar tea, but without the tea bag. And I drank it. My throat and chest stopped aching about 20 seconds later. I hate that. Bird by Bird by Anne Lamont was published in 1994 by Pantheon Books. You can find show notes for this episode at anauscultation.wordpress.com and you can send comments, suggestions, and questions to the Twitter handle at anauscultation or to the email anauscultation at gmail.com. Auscultation is produced and recorded on the ancestral home of the Ute, Cheyenne, and Arapaho peoples. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, follow, or share to help others find out about us too. Until next month, be kind and live the questions.